Hi, I'm Gavin Giovanni, Professor of Neurology at Barts and London School of Medicine and Dentistry, and I'm doing a short update on COVID-19, particularly in relation to the new BA5, BA5 variant of Omicron. Just to say that I've just recovered from my first bout of COVID-19, and I can say I have now the lived experience of what it feels like to have COVID-19. Despite having had a very mild infection, I would say mild, um, the fatigue that I experienced was out of proportion to my other symptoms, and it was quite profound. Um, I had cog fog, I had enormous difficulties concentrating or giving any task, any significant attention, and I just was very unproductive. Um, <clears throat> and despite just having a mild sore throat, a bit of a blocked nose, uh, and myalgias, I didn't have a big temperature, and my symptoms lasted about three or four days and recovered. I found the fatigue the most, and the cog fog the most disabling of the symptoms. And uh, I probably appreciate now um, what people with multiple sclerosis complain about because several of my patients have said uh, that the fatigue you get with COVID-19 is like the fatigue you get with multiple sclerosis. One of the things that we have as a legacy of COVID-19 is that because I'm set up now at home for doing remote work, um, even though I was ill with COVID-19 and was meant to be self-isolating, I was expected to continue working. Uh, probably my... I, didn't have to, but the pressure is to continue doing what you would be doing normally if you're at work. So I did three remote clinics, I chaired an international MSEBV meeting, and I was expected to do lots of other tasks, and I probably was not doing them very well. Actually, I was not doing them well at all. Um, I don't think this should be the new normal. I think we should probably put in place that if you are ill at home, you should not be working. But that's the new normal, the work, work, work with no rest. Anyway, it's quite clear now that the BA4 and now the BA5, which is the dominant variant, is finding new hosts, new people to infect. Uh, and this is despite large spread herd immunity from previous infections, vaccinations and boosters. And I've recently saw a patient in clinic who has had three documented episodes of COVID-19. And based on the timing, she probably had uh, the Alpha first and the Delta and now the Omicron variant. So it just shows you that we are getting immune escape variants coming through. And there is work that's been done in laboratories showing you that this BA5 variant is much more likely to infect cells. It also evades immunity by affecting innate immunity, for example. And it's much more infectious um, uh, and for longer. So people who um, get exposed to the BA5, BA5 variant uh, tend to have a much shorter incubation period. It's like three to four days on average. They probably shed for at least 24 to 48 hours before they develop symptoms. So this virus must be replicating very rapidly. And then what's happening is people are shedding the virus, uh, at least in the saliva, or in the, uh, for much longer. So when you do these lateral flow tests, shedding is now on average, you know, most people talk about shedding for 10, 11, 12 days. I've had one particular colleague of mine who shed for 22 days. Um, now, whether or not you're as, as infectious uh, after the first five, five to 10 days, I don't know, but you're likely to be still infectious if you have a positive lateral flow test. And the uh, UK guidelines is you shouldn't go back to work until you've had two days of ne negative lateral flows. <clears throat> I shed for about seven days. Um, um, 
which is probably lower than most people who've had the uh, that I'm known have had the Omicron uh, variant. <clears throat> now there is this perception that with this latest wave we have had fewer hospitalizations, ITU admissions and deaths, but this is actually not quite correct because when you start looking at the UK figures you're seeing an increased number of admissions both to hospital and ITU and increased number of deaths so at a population level this next wave is not benign it is causing problems and it may cause more problems uh, you know if, we, if it spreads uh, a lot more quickly which it seems to be doing so we need to watch this space and this is kind of why we are beginning to recommend that you are vulnerable to be a little bit more careful than you have been uh, in the last few months <clears throat> Some research has come out of long COVID, um, and I think that's going to be the elephant in the room. You know, despite antivirals protecting people from going into hospital, it doesn't seem to stop people getting long COVID. And uh, the long COVID clinics are completely inundated with patients. They have long waiting lists with not enough capacity. Uh, and uh, even people who've been through long COVID clinics have been telling me they haven't found them very helpful. And I think the problem is long COVID is quite a nebulous entity. Um, you know, there's quite a dumping ground. The symptoms are quite non-specific. So included in long COVID will be people with mental health issues, for example, you know, depression and anxiety, um, which need a different type of treatment to people with serious end organ damage from COVID that have clearly a, a, a physical reason for having long COVID to those in between where they may have ongoing inflammation, for example, that needs, it needs addressing. So I think we need a lot more research outputs around what long COVID is and uh, to do trials uh, in terms of treating long COVID. What is interesting is that it looks like people who get coronavirus infection, you know, at least half or more, trigger EBV reactivation. As you know, EBV is a latent virus, and by reactivating it, it may be part of the long COVID-19 uh, syndrome. And people who do have EBV reactivation as part of the COVID-19 infection are much more likely to get long COVID. <clears throat> this is important because there is a lot of overlap between long COVID and what happens with chronic fatigue syndrome. Uh, or myalgic encephalitis, and there is a subgroup of those that have evidence of EBV reactivation as well. And as you're aware, and I think EBV is the cause of multiple sclerosis, and it may be driving the disease. And so if EBV is playing a role in all three of these conditions, we may be dealing with the same entity. So um, just an hypothesis that you know, MS-related fatigue slash cog fog may be the same thing that is happening in long COVID that's happening in a subset of people with chronic fatigue syndrome. And maybe we should be doing uh, antiviral trials, looking at drugs that target EBV to treat these conditions. <clears throat> so maybe one of the legacies of COVID-19 or in long COVID is actually a new research interest in this post-viral fatigue syndrome, which may be uh, what people with multiple sclerosis are, are experiencing. There may be some research into this will generate treatments. I'm glad I don't have long COVID. My energy levels seem to be returning. I seem to be fine. My cog fog is cleared. And I even managed a very intense uh, hit, hit session, a high intensity interval training session on Monday on, on our home exercise bike uh, without any problems or consequences. So that's kind of telling me from a physical perspective, I'm fine. Anyway, so some some of my patients who have had long who have had COVID nineteen and developed long COVID just tell me it's it feels like exacerbation of the MS related fatigue. So I'd be interested if any of you who are reading this or listening to this podcast 
um, have had long COVID. How does it feel relative to your MS-related fatigue? Is it similar? Is it different? Share your experiences with us so we can uh, um, get some sense uh, about what we're dealing with. Another thing that's happened is antiviral drug resistance. So what is alarming is that there are now increasing number of reports of uh, resistance to Paxlovid. This is not surprising because it's one antiviral and it works on inhibiting the protease, an enzyme um, made by coronavirus. And obviously, uh, by using Paxlovid internationally in large numbers, I mean, in the United States, I think there's 160,000 prescriptions a week of Paxlovid going out. You are going to select for <clears throat> variants and there is some research that just come out showing you that resistance is linked to these mutations, these two or three mutations in the protease <clears throat> enzyme. This is why we need new antivirals and we probably should be treating coronavirus with combinations because when you use combinations of drugs, uh, you prevent resistance from forming. The other thing is breakthrough on the antibodies. So, you know, as you know, there's quite a few monoclonal antibodies on the market for treating people that are vulnerable to prevent them getting severe infection. And uh, there's only one monoclonal left that works against BA5. And even the Evushel, the combination <clears throat> infusion that's given to people who are meant to be vulnerable, um, is not as effective as uh, against BA5 as the other variants. So yes, over time, the monoclonal antibodies will become uh, irrelevant to the, the existing strains and we have to develop new ones. So it's a moving target. Just to say that even though Evusheld is being licensed by the MHRA for prescriptions in the UK, it's not available in the NHS. And I suspect by the time the NHS get the act together and make it available to vulnerable patients uh, as a prophylactic to prevent severe infections, the virus would have mutated on and the drug wouldn't be effective at all. <clears throat> Early on in the pandemic, I spoke about the concept of original antigenic sin, and this seems to be uh, happening with the Omicron variants. So ant original antigenic sin means when you see a, a new organism like coronavirus or have a vaccine, you make an antibody and a T-cell response and you create memory from your immune system to that particular uh, strain. And then when you get a new strain, what it does is it boosts your memory responses to the original strain and you make very poor quality antibodies to the new strain because there's like a blind spot in your immune system. And it seems to be holding true for uh, the BA5 and 4 variants is that when you get infected with these with the pre-existing immunity, you boost your pre-existing immunity but don't make new and neutralizing antibodies against a new strain. And this kind of explains why some people are getting multiple infections weeks apart. Um, you know, like for example, I've just had it and, you know, I may get infected in three weeks' time and come, come down with another episode because of original antigenic sin. <clears throat> um, this was originally described with the influenza virus and the influenza vaccine, flu vaccine. It's also been shown with dengue and other viruses. Uh, and I'm just hoping this is not going to be a widespread phenomenon, but just to be aware that because of original antigenic sin, uh, you may get recurrent episodes qu quite shortly after each other uh, with the Omicron variant. <clears throat> and this is why we need to prepare ourselves for the next variant, because we've seen waves of mutations and new variants emerging. So we need to remain vigilant. And the next one that comes out and I suspect it may come from China because there's such a big population there. And when the Omicron is allowed to spread in China, it will select for new variants, almost certainly. And let's hope the, the next variant 
it remains less virulent, but who knows, it could be more virulent. So we need to just be careful. So my advice remains the same. Uh, be careful, avoid high-risk situations, and if you can't, mask up in those situations. Make sure you're on the MS NHS's vulnerable list. You do this via your GP, and this allows you to access community-based antivirals. So even if you um, <clears throat> and, um, don't think you're that vulnerable and you have MS, you should be on the list. Uh, and my, my advice would be to take antivirals if you can. And there is no evidence that there's widespread Paxlovid resistance in the UK, so uh, it's been prescribed at the moment as the most common antiviral. Um, you don't have to have the PCR test anymore. You can actually access the uh, antivirals using lateral flow tests as well. And then make sure you're vaccinated and had your boosters. So if you are on an immunosuppressive therapy, this means having your fifth shot. The first three doses were part of your primary vaccine response. You should have had your fourth dose, which is your first booster, and now your fifth dose, which is your, um, your second booster. So please get yourself boosted. <clears throat> Even though these are boosters to the old vaccine, they do uh, boost your memory and uh, antibody responses, which may not protect you from being infected with Omicron, but they do protect you from getting severe uh, infection and need to be hospitalized. So there, are, there is some rationale for maintaining high antibody responses to the original vaccine. So please get yourself boosted. <clears throat> any questions around any of these issues, please ask them online and I'll try and respond to them and uh, enjoy. Take care.